Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. from the book of Luke, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 27th verse. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, saying, But I say to you that here, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your coat as well. Give to everyone who begs from you, and of him who takes away your goods, do not ask them again. And as you wish what men would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you would do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Lord, help us this morning to believe what you're saying to us. Jesus said, Give, and it will be given unto you. My Father, my Father is rich. Not too long ago, someone gave me a little booklet, and one page within that book had something about a minister that had preached a sermon, and he called it, God Ain't Poor No More. Well, I thought that was right catchy, and sort of agreed with what the man I think was trying to say. The fact of it is that God is not poor, he has never been poor, and he never will be poor, because all that is, all of creation belongs to him because he is the one that created it. In fact, we don't find anything bad about that statement, because we honor him in this fashion of saying that he is the owner of all when we call ourselves a steward we say we're a disciple we say that we belong to his kingdom and all that goes to say the one and the same thing that he is the owner and whatever we have is only lent to us for a little while and one day he will either take it or take us from it it doesn't make too much difference only to go to say that what is belongs to him Now, in a sense, the Lord Jesus Christ became poor in order that we might be able to share with God in his great glory. Jesus Christ gave up his home in heaven, gave up his place with God, gave up his riches, gave up his glory, 
and came into the world in order that you and I might be affected by it. In order that you might, though you are poor, become rich today. Now, this is the same as if we were talking about eternal life. For a long while, most people used to think eternal life, that when the scripture was talking about it, you think about it starting at the time that God calls you or at death. But beloved, this is not so. Eternal life starts when you make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his kingdom. Now the thing that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here, the thing that the New Testament teaches us about the Lord Jesus Christ, is that in this hour, this day, you can participate with God in all of this wonderful creation of his today. Now beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ took our place in sin, and that we believe, uh, we say that the Lord Jesus Christ have paid a ransom for our soul, and that we believe. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price, whatever it was, that needed to be paid in order that we might have access to the kingdom of God today. Or we simply say that we have been saved through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what way you express it. We're saying basically one and the same thing. And that is to say that the Lord Jesus Christ did something for us that we could not do for ourselves and that something he did for us was fantastic. Now Jesus came, then he went back to be with the Father. And everything that Jesus had given up has been restored to him completely and totally. He has all authority over all creation, whether it be in this universe or another universe somewhere. Jesus Christ has all power and all authority over all of creation. And when we say that, what did the Lord Jesus Christ say that his reason for coming into the world was? He said he came in order that we might be able to have life and have it more abundantly. Now that's fantastic. Now, beloved, I have made two basic statements that all Christian believes in or at least we say we do, and it's the main line of all of our theology. I haven't said a thing this morning that hasn't been said a thousand times from your youth up, and you're probably so familiar with it that you do not even stop to think of what it really means. But think about it now. I have said that your Heavenly Father is rich and He owns every cow on every hill and owns every hill that the cow stands on. I remember as just a young person, vaguely connected with the church, but I remember that there was a man that lived in our community that was sort of a very private person. I don't think he was a bad person, I don't remember, but the people just didn't have contact with him. He stayed to himself by and large. No one knew about his family. He came from a distant place. But the place he built and lived was a beautiful thing. He owned a farm and the home that he built was beautiful and he cared for it in a very special way. And I used to think that that farm belonged to him and that house belonged to him. And I thought how wonderful it was. But then one day they found the man dead. And then within just a few weeks, it seems like to me, it may have been longer than that, that there was an auction had. And I remember being the first time that I'd been in that house and where the house was built. And I remember thinking at that auction, everything that this man had was sold at a public auction to the highest bidder. 
I've often thought about that. He didn't take a thing with him. Not one thing did he take with him. Not a physical thing. All of it was there. And the highest bidder bought it. Think about it. Another steward to be tried. Those who bought that farm claimed it to be there, but they did exactly what he did. One day, they left it behind and another steward to be tried with the possessions that really solely belong to God. God is the owner of all and he is rich and we call him Father. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, I have said secondly, by Lord Jesus Christ by his coming and by his going has made it possible for us to share with him in the kingdom of God today. The New Testament makes it very pointed that we can share with the Lord Jesus Christ in creation today, in the kingdom of God today. We can share in his authority and we can share in his power. We can share in whatever the Lord Jesus Christ has, we can have too here upon the face of this earth. In fact, Jesus said on more than one occasion, it is necessary that I go in order that the Holy Spirit might come, in order that you might be empowered to do the same things that I am doing and even greater things than these you will be able to do simply because you have been empowered by the Spirit of a living God. Now isn't that fantastic? There is a third and obvious fact about what has been said. God wants you to share in what he has today. Beloved, if this is not an absolute fact, then I say to you that he has gone to a lot of trouble for nothing. He's called into existence all of this and had it brought forth and he has called you to this hour and to this place. If he didn't want you to share in it, then somewhere, someplace, something has gone wrong and a mistake has been made. Or can it be a real possibility that God knows what he's doing and it is at this hour that he has called you into his kingdom to be at this place at this time to share with him and all the glory that he can have here upon the face of this earth with his creation and you are part of it. And beloved, the only thing that you need to do to qualify is to just be you. Right where you are, God loves you. Not where you're going to be tomorrow or the next day, but right where you are. No father, regardless of how loving and a demonstration that they have given of that love here upon the face of this earth, has ever done any more to demonstrate his love to you and to me than our Heavenly Father has. It is true, as one has said in the scriptures that is recorded, what more can God do to prove to you and to me that we are loved and that we have a part and place in his great kingdom? If Christ did anything, he certainly did this. He made it crystal clear, beloved, that you are loved and that you have the possibility of being the son and a daughter of a living God that is rich. The question comes, how many of us walk around like we have a rich father? Or how many of us just drag about 
How many of us really talk like we are the son and daughter of a rich father? Or how many of us go around acting and talking like we don't have anything? Nothing. Do you live like your father is rich? Do you talk like it? Do you enter into his power? If you were here this morning and you're not sure about the situation, I asked you then in closing to consider just three things briefly. What can I do to be more perfectly a part of the kingdom of God and share in his glory and his kingdom as evidently he intended for us to? Consider three things. Number one, God is your source. God is your source. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Not your neighbor, not your business, not your company, not your health, not anything else. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Beloved, God is your source. Now there's a difference between the instrument and a source. And here's a place where we have trouble today. And if you're not careful, you'll have the same problem as the rest of us until you come to the place daily where you fix your mind on God and not on the things of this world, regardless of how good that they could be. Consider with me a man that had a brain tumor. Doctors told me it would take a delicate operation, a very skilled surgeon. In fact, there was only one or two in the world that had this ability and capability to perform this operation. The operation had to be had or this man's expectancy of life would be only just a few months at the very most. So he was able to secure a very talented and a very capable, skilled physician, a doctor, to come and to wheel the scalpel that needed to be in order that he would be freed of this tumor. The operation was had. The doctor, because of his great skill and his ability and capability, was able to do exactly what he wanted to do and what was needed. Suppose this man, when he left the hospital, completely healed and well with a life expectancy as normal in the rest of us. And the hospital gave to him the scalpel that the doctor, the surgeon, used to separate this tumor from the other part of his living body. And so the man goes home and takes this scalpel and put it in a very special place and begins to say to people, well, this is the instrument or this is the thing that saved my life. This is the thing that gave me back my health. And that's not the thing that gave him his health. It was in the hand of a learned man in this situation that corrected the malfunction uh, that was happening within his body. There's a difference between the instrument and the one who wields it or uses it. Beloved, it's a very fine point, but it needs to be made and you will never know the greatness of God in his kingdom. You'll never know about his riches as long as we confuse the instrument as being the one or the thing that is doing the job for us. God has always had a problem with his people here. 
always. Look back through the history of the Old Testament. You will see God's people again and again. I remember one time they went into Egypt and they thought it was the Egyptians that had delivered them and saved them. And all the while, the Egyptians were only an instrument in the hand of God. Oh, how dearly they paid for that mistake. 200 to 400 years in slavery for the stupid mistake that they made in not looking to God, the one that was to give her. Pick out what you will that is, happens to be good, but let us be sure that it is only an instrument in the hand of God. And if God does not have an instrument for you, beloved, he will make one. Again, I remember even with Moses, deliverance of God's people. There was an instrument that needed. Seemingly Moses didn't think that he was good enough to be used. And so, well, Moses, what do you have in your hand? He says, I have a staff. Moses, we will use a staff. And so God used this as an instrument. Read that story. And know that when God's people got into troubles, all Moses had to do was shake that old staff and things began to happen. I think about that story that every one of you know from your youth up in the Sunday school about David and the giant. An instrument, a slingshot, delivered God's people. I remember that there was a prophet that was down and out. And there was no means of delivering him. But God used a raven, a crow, in order that he might be fed. I remember that it was an earthquake that was the instrument that delivered the Apostle Paul. Behind it all was God. Was God. I am saying that God is your source of supply. Lock your mind upon it. Lock your eyes on Him and don't let them be diverted in this world. Don't go to the problem of trying to play God and pick out where your good things are going to come from. Leave it to God. He knows better than you do. My trouble, I know that good's going to come and I pick out the person who's going to give it to me. Well, it doesn't work that way. You can't do it quite that way. You leave it to God. He will do what He will do. But one promise that He has made to us above every other promise, that you can enter into my glory today. I will take care of you. Look to me. Secondly and quickly, be grateful. I read a book some time ago that a person gave to me and I thank them for it. And this minister had written a book on being grateful for everything. It's a very wonderful book. And he told about the different people that he had to come to him that were in difficult and hard situations just to thank God even for the greatest, hardest thing that came to them and the miraculous things that happened to them how their people were saved. People's lives were transformed and great and wonderful things happened to people. Beloved, I will agree with that book. If we are in the hand of a living God and this God is conscious of us, then there is not one thing that can happen to me unless, first of all, God permits it. Now, if God permits it, okay, God, let it happen. But you just give me the courage and the strength that it takes to be able to live and to be the demonstration of that person uh, that belongs to you that ought to be. That's what I want to do. Let me take my lumps like everybody else. And let me keep my mind and my heart and my soul locked on you. 
I think about that day that Joseph went out to see his brothers. The brothers were so jealous of him, sold him into slavery, into Egypt. No one told him that day to get down on your knees, Joseph, and thank God for this situation. It took years to reveal what God was doing. And you know what God was doing that day? And all that trouble and all that difficulty and all that heartache and all of that turmoil and all that suffering, God was preparing for His people to be delivered from starvation. It is no wonder that some of the theologians say that Joseph is the Savior of the Old Testament. God saved His people through one man by the name of Joseph. Now isn't that interesting? And so we take these difficult and hard things that come to us and we think they're from everywhere else but to the permissive hand of God. Beloved, be grateful. Be grateful. Wherever you are and whatever you're in and I'll tell you that this world has no answer for you. Thirdly and the last, and I return to our scripture, do some sowing, giving, Listen to the scriptures. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Listen to this. He says, Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Now listen to what he says now. Now he goes into detail about it. The others, he, he just makes a comment on and passes. Here's the most important thing in this part of the scripture. Listen to it because he enlarges upon it. He says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Given it shall be given unto you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall be given unto you. Do you believe it? The scripture says it more than, than a few times. So, sparingly and you will reap sparingly. What a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Beloved, it is written there. Now this is not a, a sermon on stewardship at all. But it's trying to reveal to us, to one another, how we might more perfectly enter in to the richness of God's life and His blessings and power today, right today, right at this hour. Beloved, every farmer knows, every farmer knows, if he remains a farmer to know that the best seed that he has or he can purchase and get a hold of, he plants at a suitable time. He doesn't take any, just any seeds. He takes the best that he has. The best that he has and puts it in the cold ground. And he knows God's physical law that if he sows a good strain of wheat or corn or rye or whatever it is, that that's exactly what he's going to get back. Because this is the unfallible law of nature. He will not get back something he did not sow. He will get back in proportion to the way that he has sown, all things being equal. Jesus is saying that the spiritual laws of God are just as exacting as that. Just as exacting. Beloved, if you would be a wise steward in the kingdom of God, you too would be as wise as a farmer. You would sow the best that you have, whatever that might be, in order that you might be able to leave it to God to return to you the harvest. It is our responsibility to sow. 
It is God's responsibility to multiply that. You give it to Him. Whether it be your life, your wealth, or whatever. And leave Him. Multiply it to you. Now this old hymn of long ago. Open my eyes that I may see. Glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hand the wonderful key. There it is. Place in my hand the wonderful key. In order that God's kingdom and all of his greatness might be unlocked to me. Well, beloved, we have shared it together as Jesus shared it with his disciples of long ago. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 